Hi, and welcome to our show, Forever Paranormal, with your host, Dr. Bill and Ed, where we will discuss such things as cryptids, UFOs, hauntings, angels, unsolved mysteries, government conspiracies and cover-ups, witchcraft, the metaphysical, and more, as well as stories sent in by you, our listeners. If we can connect a paranormal element to it, we'll talk about it. And you may be surprised by what all is connected to the paranormal. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and share the show, since it would not be possible without you, our listeners. And as a public service, we would like to let everyone know that you are truly never alone, even if you think you are. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is 988. Just reach out. Hi, Deb. How are you today? Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Me too. Good. That's good. On this show, we're going to be talking about a place that I think almost everybody in the world has heard of, and that's Duke University in Durham. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people are going, what in the world does this have to do with the paranormal? As Duke is rated as one of the top universities in the world with some of the strictest and selective undergraduate admissions, it has an acceptance rate of only 6.2%. And the school began through many changes, and since opening its doors as Trinity College in 1859, after starting as Brown Schoolhouse. It was renamed Duke in 1924, after the Duke Endowment was started with a $40 million trust fund. That's equal to like $644 million today. Wow. That's a lot of cash. But do you know about Duke University's ties to the paranormal studies like telepathy, clairvoyance, precognition, and other paranormal experiences? Wait, wait. I thought the study of paranormal anything was considered pseudoscience. Well, yeah, the academics say it is. But, you know, this is how Duke got tied in with all this. So being pseudoscience is kind of a funny term because it's thrown around only when they want to use it. Duke got tied into all this back in 1928 when Professor William McDougall left Harvard University to head the psychology department of Duke University in Durham. McDougall was notoriously sympathetic to non-behaviorist approaches to psychology, and as a past president of the British Society for Psychical Research, McDougall encouraged a young biologist named Dr. Joseph Banks Ryan to move to Durham to conduct experimental research into postmortem survival, which is really life after death. Ryan moved, and in 1929, McDougall found him a position in the psychology department of Duke University. Ryan soon shifted the focus of his experiments from post-mortem survival, or life after death, to psychic phenomena such as telepathy and clairvoyance, believing that these had to be understood first. He used Duke's students as his subjects, asking them to guess target cards whose simple designs of a star, cross, circle, square, wavy lines and such have been suggested by psychologist Carl Zener, a colleague at Duke. These are now referred to as the famous Zener cards you always see used in movies and TVs when time, someone's trying to prove their psychic abilities. So now Duke's renowned psychology department is studying telepathy, which is direct transference of thought from one person to another, just using the mind, and it's one part of ESP. Clairvoyance is one of the six clairs which is being able to get information about a person, place, or thing through your mind. 
There is now a psychology department at Duke. Excuse me. There's now a parapsychology department at Duke. Parapsychology is the scientific study of interactions between living organisms and their external environment that seem to transcend known physical laws of nature. Parapsychology is a component of the broader study of consciousness and the mind. Ryan achieved astonishing results of success with his cards and uh, his different experiments, and he reported this in a paper, Extrasensory Perception, in 1934. His assertion that telepathy and clairvoyance were common easily demonstrated human abilities, attracted enormous attention to his work at Duke, and in the 1930s, journalists found him an ideal subject for articles after he t returned their interest. Actively courting popular science writers, in the 1937 taking part in a series of national radio broadcasts sponsored by Zenith Radio Corporation, his account of the Duke Studies, New Frontiers of the Mind, sold widely, and his research began to have financial support from people anxious for him to extend his investigations into the possibility of life after death or post-mortem survival. This appeared to be the beginning of this being considered pseudoscience in such a strong manner because he was research, searching everything out. Ryan and Duke now had a newly named parapsychology laboratory. He adapted the word parapsychology from a German term, soon disposed of more money for research and graduate student support than did most other branches of the university. It also began to publish the Journal of Parapsychology, which Ryan hoped would be a nucleus of communication within the new branch of science. That publication is actually still current in print today. But many psychologists were unhappy with what they interpreted as Ryan's unprofessional, publicity-seeking behavior. His results were not repeatable in the labs. And in uh, 1934, he himself was the only one that could statistically achieve significant indications of success at extrasensory card set guessing. Why was he the only one to receive these results? Well, I think he was very specific about the students he selected to participate in, in the tests and stuff because everybody has a little bit of ESP, but some people are much better at it than others. And he was very definite about who he used. These issues continued to affect the field of parapsychology during the 40s and 50s, which Ryan, then a professor of psychology at Duke, and his assistant continued to research in new directions. They announced experimental confirmation of two other extrasensory facilities, faculties actually, precognition, which is predicting future events in 1938, and psychokinesis, the moving of objects with the mind in 1943. In 1948, Ryan's wife, Louisa, began to collect and analyze reports of spontaneous extrasensory perception, better known as ESP. Is this is that like Stephen King's Firestarter or Netflix's Stranger Things? Kind of. You know, it's, it's kind of like that, and it plays on that. Telekinesis is being able to do things with your mind. Firestarter would be part of it, yeah. And then you got Stranger Things, which is funny that you bring that up because the Duffer brothers are from Durham. <laughs> so being from Durham, do they have some kind of connection here with the Ryan Institute? Oh. Yeah, I really don't know. But that's <laughs> something to find out. Through these initiatives, Duke and the Rhine Institute continued to generate considerable positive publicity for the school. In 1950, 
the parapsychology laboratory left the psychological department and became a separate entity at Duke in 1965 at age 70 when Rhine retired from the Duke faculty. He chose to take the laboratory's endowment and put it into a private research institute unassociated with Duke and renamed the institute for parapsychology. So if it's successful, why did he move? Well, Duke had a policy at that time that he had mandatory retirement at age 70. He had to leave the university. He had no choice. But wanting to continue with the research and keep things moving on, he took the parapsychology part and put it into his own private institute to get around Duke's laws. Ryan set up the new facility and called it the Foundation for Research of the Nature of Man, FRNM for short, in buildings on Buchanan Avenue immediately across the street from Duke's East Campus. Ryan continued trying to identify good subjects, establishing a foolproof experimental procedure that could not be challenged by skeptics, expanding the application of statistics to their work, and carrying the research into new fields. Ryan finally resigned as director of his own facility in 1973, but neither his resignation nor his death in 1980 materially affected the work of his institute. The FRNM renamed remained a center of research into parapsychology with a small permanent staff and a contingent of visiting students, although the Automatic Association of North Carolina and Duke with parapsychological research was no longer as strong in the public consciousness as it had been in Rhine's day. The FRNM was renamed the Rhine Research Center in 1995 on the centenary anniversary of J.B. Rhine's birth. In 2002, the center sold its property on Buchanan Avenue to Duke and relocated to a new facility on Campus Walk Avenue. However, although it says it is the successor of the parapsychology laboratory at Duke University and also that the current research center is a successor to this organization and is no longer affiliated with Duke University, that may not be so clearly defined. It's unclear what the what is the real degree of independency of the Rhine Institute Center from the Duke University. Its offices are located just off West Campus Street on, Walk, on Campus Walk Avenue. Are they so geographically distant? Not really. They're across the street still. Furthermore, there are three pages of results on the duke.edu domain belonging to the Rhine Center. So they still advertise the Rhine Center. Mm-hmm. The Rhine Research Center still remains a world-renowned leader in psychic research, and the unexplored areas of human perception. The so-called pseudoscience is actually a scientific approach to the study of forces of light, magnetism, electricity, and as, as they relate to ESP and a universal consciousness. According to the center, it explores the frontiers of consciousness and exceptional human experiences in the context of unusual and unexplained phenomena. The Rhine's mission is to advance the science of parapsychology, to provide education and resources for the public, and to foster a community for individuals with personal and professional interest in psi. The problem with current academics is although everyone has a small amount of psychic ability, the the results are always not consistent and repeatable in a lab because everybody has a little bit different ability you know, psychic awareness and psychic ability. It's like anything else, though. The more you work at something, the better you get with it. 
So when you say work on it, how do you think they work on it? Well, I know myself for one, I have a little bit of psychic ability. Mm-hmm. I work on it by practicing meditation and uh, some other skills of trying to put myself into a trance sometimes, this and that. And what that really means is getting yourself to where you shut down your mind and let your subconscious mind take over. Your subconscious mind is what controls your breathing and all your body functions anyhow. So you can get rid of thought and just get into a trance where you're trying to connect with the universe and connect with different powers. Um, Like, I have the ability to read auras. I'm not constant at it. It's not great all the time, but I can read auras. I have precog. Um, I would say more clericog than anything. I just know things sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, You've been with me 35 years. You've seen that many, many, many times. There there are times I just know things. And, uh, you know, we, we all need to work on that if we want to get better at it. Most people, eh, they just blow it to the side. Right. But other people don't. Like me. Like you a lot, you know. <laughs> but you've seen it happen over and over again and still blow to the side most of the time. Yeah. And that's fine. But, I mean, that that's what I mean by work on it. If I could, can you explain how, say, the Zaner test works or any of the other tests they might perform there? Sure, I can touch base on some of it, um, and I know the basis behind some of them and the basics of them, but I haven't really got that depth into the papers. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of papers on them, you know, study papers that they've done that are big. And uh, the Zaner cards are basically all you know, just the same cards, and I would hold it up, and you'd be sitting across the room from me, and you'd tell me which card I'm holding up. Mm-hmm. You'd be able to see that card through my mind of what I'm looking at. If I had the ability. If you had the ability. And okay. you can work on that. And you can train on that. Mm-hmm. Right? <clears throat> that's, what the, that's how the Zaner cards work. And as far as people seeing ores and stuff like that, everything's energy. And everything that has energy has a, has a magnetic field. Because all energy is magnetic, too. So when you're seeing an ore and stuff, you're basically seeing a magnetic field around something. So they use lasers and cameras and so on and so forth to be able to see auras and magnetic fields the same as people do, to prove that people are able to see this. So they're able to replicate some of these observations with their testing equipment, the same as people are reporting on the same subjects at the same time, without those people knowing what the results from the test are. So earlier on, you mentioned a word, clairs, and I was a little bit lost. Could you explain? Sure. The clairs, the six clairs are things as clairvoyance, being able to see, clairaudience, being able to hear, claircognizance, being able to know. And, and those are things that we're going to del- delve into very deeply in another show. Mm-hmm. But uh, So I don't want to go into them a whole lot right now because we are going to have a whole show dedicated to that one of these days soon. All right. Well, this has been great. Um, we're at the end of our time. And I thank you for participating. And uh, as always, you're a great co-host. Thank you. I enjoy it. All right. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to like and share the show. Have a great evening. Thank you for listening. And remember to like and share the show. We would also appreciate a five-star rating wherever possible to help new listeners find the show. We welcome all questions or comments you may have about this or any other episode and our contact information can be found in the show notes of this episode. You can also follow us at 
foreverparanormal.com. And if you'd like to support us, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash foreverparanormal. The links to these are also in the show notes of this episode. Yeah. <laughs>